This song, doo-dah, doo-dah, Camp Town racetrack five miles long, all a doo-dah day. Welcome to Coordinated Strike, your home base for everything the other side from Weird Miniatures. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Uh, we handled more of the trips, ticks, tactics, and discussion around uh, the other side, which is a yet-to-be-released uh, miniatures game from Weird Miniatures. All that said, uh, we do do quite a bit of discussion on the show, and so we're going to go ahead and get started. Today, as evidenced by the music, we're going to be talking about Fast Movers. Uh, those elements in your force that are able to kind of maneuver and have speed as one of their most relevant stats. They're going to be your go-to objective runners and counter-objective runners, and I kind of want to get in a little bit of discussion about them. Uh, as I've been playing with some proxied into uh, some of the games I've been playing recently, so... I am primarily an Abyssinian player with a subset uh, devotion to the Jibbering Horde. So each army is going to handle theirs a little differently, and we're going to start with Abyssinia, because these are near and dear to my heart. So the type of units that we're looking at, particularly when we're talking about uh, Abyssinia, is I'm going to look at the Marauder which is our uh, 80 millimeter fire team, single wound, uh, speed 9, able to do any type of action uh, when it is given the rush order thanks to two-seater, uh, and has a tactical action called uh, afterburners, so it can move its speed again uh, and really produce some insane threat range. Uh, additionally, we're looking at the, and I'm going to horrifically mispronounce this, which is kind of also a staple of this show, of this show the uh, Basothu Cavalry. Uh, these are a speed 11 unit, uh, defense 5, willpower 5, armor 5, 4 cost. You get 12, bo- you get uh, 6 bodies. 220 millimeter stands of three three guys in the squad. They are light cavalry, so <laughs> pardon me. After they uh, resolve a unit, after they resolve an action, uh, they get to move up to five inches in any direction. They have a spear attack, and they have a ranged attack called suppressing fire. Uh, it's against willpower at 15 inch range. Target does no damage, but the target gains a pin token, and if they're able to get a margin of three, uh, they can give out an additional pin token to that target. So, kind of a neat little multi-purpose unit. Uh, And one that I'm growing really fond of, and really fond of putting two units as an eight-point package into some of my list for a variety of reasons. One, uh, it kind of ups the activation count, for Abyssinia, and sometimes it's an area that we can really struggle. 
um, in two commander game is most of our squads are a little more on the elite side and therefore a little more expensive. So anytime I can get, you know, a bargain unit, you know, for, for script, for eight script cost of kind of our, our stock standard units, I can get two in and they really provide some, an interesting higher mobility element to the army. Uh, in what is typically a speed six, speed seven, um, infantry based force with, you know, our big walkers and, and titans and that. So I kind of want to focus in on the, the cav unit and sort of how they're utilized and how I'm kind of thinking about them from a tactical perspective. All right, so how do we utilize these guys? Well, we kind of want to look at how traditional cavalry has been utilized by militaries throughout kind of time. Um, they're used to scout ahead of the head of the force. They're used to screen your force, and they're sort of used to help find the the enemy position. And to break through uh, an enemy weak spot and harass their their rear, and I think the Basso cavalry can really do all of those things. And they are they're definitely a light cavalry, so they are going to go down to any type of concentrated fire. That being said, they do provide you quite a few advantages as a screening force, and as a long-range objective runner. First and foremost, they are speed 11 base. So on an advance order, they can go 11 inches and do a thing. So that gives them 26-inch threat from their uh, suppressing suppression fire. Uh, attack, it gives them a 13-inch threat for their spears. And it lets you go, you know, 11 inches to get within three of an objective to be able to flip it. And that's that's just some, some significant speed. And then once they're done with that, they can move an additional five inches once they've completed their action in any direction. And because that is movement outside of uh, movement granted by the action, it will not generate a disengaging strike. So that is something also to keep in mind. So I like to utilize them as objective runners. So I'm going to position them when I'm lining up my forces. They're going to be positioned towards the flanks. And this is for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, it lets them utilize their speed out on the wing where they can start putting pressure on the enemy position. So if the enemy hasn't put elements wide, by placing my, ele my speed element wide, I force my opponent to have to react to me. Otherwise, you know, they're going to have something on a rush order 22 inches downfield. 
And that's kind of a hard thing for people to wrap their mind around until they really start seeing it on a table. Some of the other things you can do with it, depending on what objective or what operation you're playing in, is they can be used to screen your force. Meaning, if I've got my crow runners who are a little bit beefier than the basso, but still can definitely die to small arms fire, I can use the larger bases and better speed of the basso cav to create a living wall for my crows to hide behind because my opponent can't see through my guys, but I can see through my guys to shoot my opponent. So in that case, I'm trading my four-point unit to save my six-point unit. That is ultimately going to be my more advanced runner or hold it or hold a position later on. Uh, you can also do it with the Lord of Steel. I really like Lord of Steel with the Basso Cav as kind of a, a delivery system because he can, although they're a little expensive, uh, although they're only four points, you are you know taking one of six models every time you're taking wounds from them, but they do have the speed to keep up with Lord of Steel, so it is something to think about as another point in the Vasos kind of feather in their cap and how they how they work and how they really do mimic um, an older style cav unit for the Abyssinian military. And I, I definitely think they are well worth their four point cost. And they're definitely a unit you should be trying if you're playing Abyssinia. Definitely a unit that's worth trying. And I definitely think it's a unit that's worth having multiples of it eventually. Uh, I'm finding that two tends to be about as many as I want to run in terms of squads. So an eight-point investment, not not a terrible amount of of investment as far as, as dollars go. Um, it's 45 per unit. You're getting a unit free uh, from the Kickstarter if you've backed at the at the full level for them because they are our bonus unit. So definitely one to consider. Uh, the Marauder is really interesting as a as a runner as well. Little different. It is a single wound champion style model. It's not a champion, but it is a just a base fire team. Uh, it has a great machine gun on it, strength 4, 18 inch range, speed 9, can take any type of action when given a rush order thanks to the two-seater special rule. Can move its speed again on a tactical action or morale action after burners. But it, it's got a weird defensive line in that it's it's standard defense 5, which is pretty much the standard defense for Abyssinia. It's willpower 6, again, around the average willpower. And it's armor 8, so a little bit, a little bit higher on the armor scale, but not, not anything crazy. But it's, it's a single wound, and there's no other defensive tech on it. So if it gets shot at, it's good chance it's going down, and then that's 3 points gone. That said, 
it can move 18 inches and flip an objective. That's not insignificant. And so it has to be accounted for and has to be thought about. And it's a sweet-looking model. So there is some merit in the idea of maybe the Bathocav babysitting the Marauder. And where they're screening for their Marauder buddy. I'm I'm definitely a fan of bodies, and so I'm leaning more towards the double batho or bathso cab at this point. Uh, although I am going to be picking up a marauder, I have seen some interesting list concepts with two marauders, and I can definitely appreciate the. Appreciate the concept there. I like the I like the gun on it quite a bit. That said, for a point less, I can go rail gunners. They don't have the speed, but they have greater range, little less strength, but better AV. So, you know, it's it's an interesting piece, and I need to get it on the table more before I can make a definitive on the Marauder. But it can definitely do the long-range running, but it wants to get... It's more of an exploitive of, of a break. So if it can get deep in the backfield, outside of the gun range, uh, while the main force is being engaged. So I have less trepidation with the Marauder into, say, Gibbering Hordes than I would into King's Empire. King's Empire, with their extreme gun ranges, the Marauder just isn't going to be able to hold up very well. Where the Basso Cav, because it has more bodies, is going to be able to, and because it can threat twenty, it can threat twenty-two inches rush, plus two inches uh, with the spears, so it has twenty-four inches of threat. So it can get and engage those guns pretty rapidly for four points. And if I can, if I can avoid some of my heavier infantry being shot up in exchange for throwing my, my cav to the wolves, uh, I'll do it because, you know, in that matchup, the, the heavy infantry needs to be able to get in range to start exchanging blows so that its armor can really have an effect because its guns are going to need to get there. But if the if the cav can get there quick, engage, lower the AVs, lower the volume of attack that can get to the heavier infantry, then it's four points well spent, at least in, in my estimation. So that's that's kind of a discussion of the two real fast movers in Abyssinia. Obviously, your commanders are going to be doing a great deal of objective running as well, mainly because they can be given the rush order and still have always their morale action they can do, and flipping an objective is typically a morale action. So... They're able to do things like rush and then and then do a morale. So, things to think about as you sort of build out your list and look at the operations. 
and figure out how you want to kind of build your force. So from Avicinia, let's take a look at Cult of the Burning Man. Now, Burning Man is very interesting when we talk about objective running. Primarily because they have dimensional instability, which is their general special rule. Uh, which is during scouting, you place three portal markers on the board. They're 50 millimeter, uh, at least eight from any other port from any other markers, and not in your opponent's deployment zone. When a cult of the Burning Man fire team in this company comes into or starts in base contact with a friendly portal marker, you may place it its unit in base contact with any other friendly portal marker. Fire teams that move in this way may not use any remaining movement that was granted by the order and cannot use the dimensional instability rule again during this activation. So it's a long rule. It's one of the longest rules in the game. It is an incredibly powerful rule because if you are in base contact with a portal or something that counts as a portal marker, you can place not only yourself, but your entire unit into base contact with another portal marker. You can do this once per turn. So what this means is if you've placed your portal markers properly and you start using Terra's in reality to move your portal markers around. You can have virtually everything threatening certain objective markers. If you have a large enough base size and, and all of that. But you can also utilize it if, let's say you're starting in base contact with a portal you can take a focused effort and still move your unit as long as you have one of those fire teams in base contact with a portal marker. Because it can, because it started into base contact, it can place. Independent units. This is another, another spot where people are going to get tripped up, and I want to make sure people are fully aware. With the independent units, one of those fire teams just has to get in contact with the marker or start in base contact with the marker, and it can bring all of those other independents that are in the unit back together. So it's a great way to do some very tricky things with the ECB, um, which is the primary unit that you have in Cult of Burning Man currently that isn't has the independent rule uh, and can really take advantage of of that special. So it means that Cult every unit is kind of an objective runner because of how the portals work. And it really makes the Skulking portals an interesting list choice because they act as portal markers. So the unit that I most associate as a as a quote official style runner in the in the traditional sense, which is not really the strong part of cult, 
The closest would be the ECB, and that's because they have higher speed and they have the independent rule uh, through rogue agents. So definitely something to think about. Uh, but their their whole force kind of can be objective runners because of how dimensional instability works. So that's that's where you're getting in. You don't really have a, a pure cav unit in this force as of yet. Um, that's definitely something that is not inherent in cult. Um, it's kind of one of the things that definitely makes them a little different. And it's one of the things that I really do like about them because they are so different. So, we've kind of talked a little bit about cult, and I want to talk about Gibbering Hordes. Now, Gibbering Hordes has a little more traditional uh, cav style unit, and one not so traditional where we can talk about uh, them for objective running and for role of CAV. Uh, the big unit is the Eurasi. Uh, the Eurasi are speed 10 unit with the glide special rule, which means they ignore non-Titan fire teams and low terrain while moving. So they can book and they can avoid a lot of terrain features on the battlefield. Uh, they get extra strength, for doing it as part of a rush order. And they are th three 80 mil fire teams of three guys each. So nine wounds on the unit for six points. I am a huge, huge fan of the Eurasi, and I start a lot of my list in Jibbering Hordes with two units of them. Uh, they are, to me, kind of a staple of the faction. I am, again, big, big fan of them for everything that they do. They are a shock trooper. They have swift retreat. So if the result of an action uh, results in the destruction of one, or, one of this unit's fire teams, any remaining fire teams may move up to their speed. And again, it's an out of activation, out of in his movement not caused by an order. Therefore, it does not generate disengaging strikes. And when you're talking about moving 10 inches, that's that's a long way. And they can move over units, move over terrain without issue. So you're really looking at a heavily mobile element to add to your force, Great at objective running. Uh, great at tying up the enemy. Great at, you know, buying time for the rest of your, rest of your force. And, of course, if they do all get wiped out, you can go ahead, uh, resummon them with endless number, and you're back on it. Now, the unit that I'll talk about that is not your most traditional but I think can do quite a bit of good is the Stripe Skulkers. 
And this is primarily because of these things are everywhere. Uh, that is their base special rule, uh, which is this unit may use endless number to summon anywhere on the table that is not near the opponent's deployment zone uh, and may not use the endless number special rule to move after doing so. So they can move as part of an order after they've, after they've placed, but they don't get the bonus movement that you get from endless number, but they have such a range when they come back that they almost act like a base cav unit and can really run after objectives because you can just place them on top of them. So that's something you have to kind of account for when you're facing gibbering hordes and if they've taken striped skulkers, that they can appear on objective anywhere that's not in your deployment zone. And depending on the depth of your deployment zone, they could get to an objective based on where they placed that is in your in your deployment zone on their following turn. So, you know, if if they're on the field, nothing is really safe. Uh, they lived up to their skulker name uh, quite well. Uh, it is something you definitely have to account for. Definitely something you want to be very, very mindful of when you're facing... Uh, the Gibbering Horde, and there are objectives on the line. So take care to, to think of that. All right, and then last but not least, we have the ever-faithful King's Empire. And King's Empire have a few units that I want to talk about from an objective-running quote, cav perspective. First thing we're going to talk about is infiltrators. Uh, infiltrators are speed 6, def 4, whip 4, arm 6. They have camouflage, so it may deploy during scouting. Uh, if it does so, it may deploy anywhere the table that's not in the opponent's deployment zone. So they can jump onto objectives very early. Uh, they have a pistol, and they have a nice Morale action, where they can target enemy fire team and discard a token of your choice from this unit, and you can give the token or give a target give the target a token of your choice. Uh, it's against willpower. It's 18 inch range. Really, quite an effective little ability. And they've got a nice little pistol shot, strength two. And if they get a tome, they can again add a, add a strength to it. So their speed is going to come from their ability to deploy quickly uh, and deploy anywhere not in your opponent's deployment zone. So these guys are all about getting an early lead and then kind of holding that real estate for a little while. So if you have an operation where you're looking at objectives along a center line and then maybe something in, in each of your opponent's deployment zones and you've got an objective there it could make sense to if you're deploying you know second to place these guys on the weaker side deployment that your that your opponent's chosen uh, or if you're deploying first to you know set them in a in a spot where they could get to an objective with their speed six turn one. You know, kind of threaten that. It's just, it's something to definitely think about, and it's why I really do like infiltrators as, 
as sort of an objective runner, but they're they're not really running. They're getting there first and then just digging in and waiting for the rest of the team to show up. Now, if we want to talk about cavalry, we have to talk about the king of cavalry, uh, which, not surprising, are in the king's empire, the Empire Dragoons. Uh, the Empire Dragoons have a monster stat line. Speed 10, def 6, whip 6, armor 8. Let's, let's go over that again. Speed 10, defense 6, willpower 6, armor 8. 8 points. That alone is one of the best stat lines for cav or units in this game. Period. Additionally, they have handpicked by the king, so after they cheat fate, uh, they get to draw a card. So they get to cheat for free, basically. Uh, and they can cheat to hand cycle, which is a really strong ability. Uh, they've got cavalry sabers, um, so if they get a rush order, they go from strength 3 to strength 4, uh, which is pretty cool. And then on a mask... Uh, you can immediately place this fire team anywhere in base contact with the target, so they can, you know, kind of pile through. And then, because they are a Dragoon unit, they have machine guns. So they have a 14-inch range machine gun attack, strength 2, target gains a pin token, and then again on a mass, they have nimble, uh, so they get to move fire team the fire team up to its speed. So... To kind of put that in perspective, they can threat 24 with their gun. On a mask, they can move 10 inches back. So when facing Abyssinia, if they were to do that, I can't get in range of them uh, in most situations. So most of the Abyssinia, like, we will go with uh, our mech infantry. So if they're facing mech infantry, with Empire Dragoon, you're looking at on the mech infantry, my my personal favorite infantry, uh, speed 7, def 5, whip 5, armor 8, machine gun, 6, 14 inch range, strength 3. So, same range on their machine guns, but speed 7. So with King's Empire, we got the Dragoons, speed 10, so three inches more reach with their speed. Machine gun, 14-inch range, strength two. Gains a pin token. Very key. Strength two, so a little bit less strength, but if it, even if it doesn't make the penetration, as long as it hits, it's, getting a, it's giving a pin token, which is going to give minus two to my overall movement. But on a mask, it can move up to its speed. So they could move forward 10 inches, shoot 14 additional, that's 24 inches of threat. If they get the mask on the hit, they can then move 10 inches back. I can only move 7 inches forward. I will not be in range to return fire with my mech infantry. You can play a very strong hit-and-run game with Empire Dragoons if you really understand how the range and counter range works. 
Uh, Empire Dragoons are one of my absolute favorite units in the game. Uh, they're a unit that I'm looking very much forward to mixing into Abyssinia because of tricks like that. Because of the base threat ranges that exist in this particular unit. It is a heavy cav unit, so it's going to do most of its damage on the charge. It just is. It's where the bulk of its strength is coming from. With the sabers, you get to strength four, which is such a strong um, stat in the game because so much of the armor math jumps once you get to strength four because average infantry armor is six. So what that means is once you get to strength four, you're looking at typically a eight plus to do two wounds to an opponent, an opponent's fire team. And on a 12 plus, you're looking at wiping out an enemy fire team on average. So it really starts to swing the math in your favor. In your favor, when you get to that strength four, uh, you can also fairly reliably start to nickel and dime titans to death. So strength four is a, a very good strength. Strength 2 is more of harassment strength. Uh, you will do some good work uh, at range. The pin token is really where you're getting a significant amount of value out of their range attack. And then again, if you can get that mask, the nimble to keep everybody safe is huge. And again, monster stat line, defense 6, willpower 6, armor 8. I mean, it's elite-level stats. You are paying an elite-level cost. I mean, it's eight points. Uh, you're getting one squad of this to uh, Batho Cav. But, you know, this is a heavy cavalry unit, and what I'm playing are light cavalry units. So, very different uh, battlefield roles on the whole. But uh, a great unit that you should definitely be thinking about for... You know, your your ranged operations and your little bit of your objective running in uh in the King's Empire. But there is there is another unit I will not miss. Uh probably the best objective runner in a base army, and that is the motor scout. Two points, which is just huge in what is also a fairly expensive army in King's Empire in terms of unit cost. Having a two-point speed eight uh, unit that gets plus two speed if it gets a rush and an inspired token is huge. It also has a nice 14-inch range gun. Uh, same gun, basically, that the way more expensive... Uh, Empire Dragoons has, which again strength 2 gives a pin token uh, on a mass this one gets to move up to its speed away from the target 
Uh, so it can it can actively retreat and do the do the yo-yo thing. But I'm really looking at these guys as a great little objective runner because of their speed, their cost, and they have an armor of seven, which is really nothing to sniff at. Uh, it means that for strength two units, they're needing a five up to do damage to you, which I know doesn't sound like much, but when you're looking at the constrained resources that you're going to be playing with in the game, I mean, you're not getting six cards every turn. You're having to buy cards when you're buying them uh, at the beginning of a turn. Uh, you may be lucky enough to draw some cards if you have ability to do so during the turn, but a 5-plus is, isn't easy to come by. And if you flip low, this little guy's safe. And if you're wasting shots on this guy, you're not putting shots into something that's a bigger threat. But if you're not killing this guy, then he's in your backfield harassing and going after objectives. And you've really got to kind of balance all of that out. And that's the beauty of the other side. So the Motorized Scout is definitely a unit that I would invest in for a few. Uh, I'm a big fan of running two. Again, four points on the field in a list. You've got two fully independent, nice little gun platforms that really perform well on rush order. And, again, when we think about it, they can just run, grab an objective... If they focus fire away from your main force, that's more time that you've bought your main force for a very cheap cost to do some very nasty things to your opponent. So that's sort of a look at uh, cav-type units, cav-light units, cav-light tactics, and objective running and objective runners across the four main armies. So the other bit I kind of want to talk about is I was able to go to Gen Con uh, a few weeks ago, and as part of Gen Con, I was running uh, Weird's events in the event hall, and I was doing the Malifaux tournaments. Uh, right in our area as well were also the demos, and some of the demos that were going on were the other side, and it was really cool to see uh, some of the pre-production miniatures for Abyssinia, for Cult of the Burning Man, for Gibbering Hordes, uh, King's Empire, they have, but they did not uh, make it onto the truck, so those were not there to, to view or to demo, but they did have the books, and I got very excited. I got to read through the books for a little while uh, in between tournaments and kind of talk with uh, uh, some of the demoers there, both the, the people that were doing the demos and the people that were taking the demos. Once they have got done with it, they may come over and had talked uh, a little bit with me, and that was kind of cool. Uh, it was very cool to kind of see the people that were doing the demonstrations, uh, talking with some of them that were Kickstarter backers, um, their love for the game and how much they kind of would start to get it as they'd play through a demo. I was able to do a few demos myself. 
uh, for people. We had some situations where I needed to cover uh, here and there. So it was really cool to to see people uh, and walk people through uh, this game that I absolutely love and adore uh, from a, a first demo standpoint. And it was pretty cool to do. Um, was able to do a demonstration for a couple of gentlemen from across the pond. It was very cool to talk with you guys and and go over uh, some of the abilities and go into some of the, the deeper tactics that we kind of talked about with your two forces. So that was really cool to see. Um, additionally, it was very fun to uh, be able to demo for uh, one of my buddies that came over from New York. So we had a nice little demo demonstration game, uh, talked a little bit of tactics, and uh, I look forward to having him on the show to kind of go into that in a little more depth here shortly. So uh, open invitation for him to come on, kind of talk through his thoughts on the other side. And some of the other things we saw uh, have been posted on the Facebook page, the, the other place. Uh, some very cool things in the coming soon case for the other side. Uh, Hormatanji's pre-production plastic was there. He looks amazing. I cannot wait to be playing with him. Uh, as well as some newcomers on the stage. Uh, we saw pre-run sculpts uh, in terms of like the first pre-prints for a couple of the new factions that they've kind of revealed in an article uh, for one of the game industry magazines. There are two new two new um, factions that have been kind of announced there. Uh, the Kaimoni, or Kamon, or uh, which are an Oni-based faction based on the article, and the long-awaited Three Kingdoms. So... You take those into account with the fact that we know that Guild and Court of Two are going to be full-fledged uh, allegiances uh, under the moniker of Syndicate. And, you know, we have uh, a What's Coming Next already, which is super exciting for me as somebody that wants this game to be a, a great long-term success. It's just as much as uh, Weird Miniatures does, so... Very cool to see those things coming. There's some really cool uh, pictures that have been put up there. Uh, one of the guys is uh, has a little demon on his shoulder. He looks really cool. Uh, there was a preprint of one of their one of the new factions, Titans, uh, which looks like this really cool uh, like wind spirit thing. He looks he looks utterly amazing. Very excited um, for everything going on with uh, with Weird right now in terms of the other side. So, super exciting time. Make sure you get your uh, your backer kit in if you haven't already backed. If you have backed, please make sure you have everything up to date because the sooner they get the, uh, the ideas on the numbers, the sooner they can go ahead and close out production. We can start getting, um, you know, shipping costs and, and this whole thing can start you know, getting in our laps and we can start actually playing it, and then I can start doing some more battle reports and fun things like that, uh, as opposed to running down unit-type things. And I hope you all are enjoying these types of talks. Uh, if you find them helpful, please let me know. Love any feedback on the show to this point. Uh, look forward to talking with you guys some more, bringing you more tactics, 
uh, tips and tricks. And remember, when you have a tactics token, you can make a coordinated strike.